So, but I'm looking forward to it though, because it's like actually like practicing. Oh yeah, I mean it'll be a good experience, I'm sure. But it sounds like a tough year of cycling through things. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough year. I can't. It feels like it should be 2024, like with how much like stuff I've done, how much studying we've done, and everything. But I've only been here less than a year. Yeah, it's only 2021. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good thing. Good thing the time's going slow. Yeah. Um. It was a rough weekend, man. But because uh, I was studying, what I'm, I, I'm glad I was actually. I still like watched a good amount of the game, but like I'm, yeah, I'm glad I had studying to distract me. Hopefully, it doesn't go. Uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't go uh, the same way this weekend when I'm literally just gonna have full attention to both games. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm I'm glad Sunday too. I'll be able to watch the game without any, all the games without any stress of the Bears. You know, I'll be able to. Just, That's true. I'll just be able to. Wait, are they Sunday? Sunday night or Monday night? Monday night, yeah. Oh, yeah. that should be fun. That'll be a good time. All right. Um... Anything you want to talk about or? Um... No, it was two losses. <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll probably be a shorter episode. Uh, I don't think there's anything specific. Um, okay. I'm sure we'll cover it. We'll cover it all as we go. All right, Andrew. Well, we did not have the best of weekends, to say the least. Both our Illini and our Bears, uh, really just two heartbreaking losses for both of them. For both the teams, victory was in their sights, and they just could not get it done. Uh, so this might be one of our shorter episodes. But maybe it'll be one of the longer, because, I mean, it's not like they got blown out. There is some to digest uh, for each of these teams uh, to go, to, yeah, especially going forward here. Do you have a preference of who we start out with? <laughs> just, I mean, either a kick in the shin or a kick to the to the knee. You gotta, we gotta pick something here. No, let's start with the Illini because I think I saw some. I mean, there were definitely positives in both games, like you said. But overall, I think I felt better about the Bears' offense, which was a big negative, than uh, I did about the Illini. So, let's start with the Illini. So we can end with something Good. somewhat positive. All right, let's do that. Uh, so there actually was some pretty positive things that we saw out of the Illini. The offense didn't look as dead as we saw it was. Brandon Peters, now that he knows that he doesn't have Art Sikowski breathing down his neck. By the way, he's out for the rest of the year uh, and out for spring ball as well, because with that broken wrist, he decided, you know, I'm going to fix my non-throwing soldier as well and do uh, shoulder surgery on that. So he's just getting everything done and he'll be back in time for um, – next year uh fall camp that year so he'll be out for spring ball so that'll give the backups right now a chance in spring ball in the off season and then some transfers to get all the reps during spring ball and we'll, we'll talk about that uh after the season but brandon peters in his last year at illinois this is this is it man because he doesn't have any eligibility after this he's not a lock to go to the nfl nowhere near a lock andrew and these last six or four or five games, this is the time where if he wants to prove that he can to all the, the, the scouts that he can play at the next level, this it's got to start now. And he, he had some really good throws and he had a, he had a really good game. I thought uh, at the very least a really good half first half uh, against Rutgers this first weekend. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, Brandon Peters, he played well. He had some very nice throws in that game and, Honestly, this Illini offense kind of did a 180 from what we've seen the past few weeks. And they were a good passing team and a not a good running team this last week. I mean, Rutgers was stuffing the run against the Illini, but that opened up the passing game. And hey, one of that, I think it was the yeah. first touchdown of the game. That was a beautiful throw. Oh my gosh. That to Isaiah Williams, and that's we, what we knew. Isaiah Williams, he has the speed to do that to defensive backs. And we, we finally got him the ball 
And uh, Deuce Span, he has the speed and, and length to get past those defense backs. We've gotten the ball in the past. It's just not frequent that we can get the ball to them. But we did against Rutgers. And on that pass, that was such a beautiful pass. But you mentioned it, Andrew. We, after dominating Penn State uh, in the trenches, we got absolutely dominated at home against Rutgers. We controlled nothing uh, as far as run. I, we kicked a few runs to the outside, but that was more so just missed assignments by Rutgers and Chase Brown making something out of nothing than our offensive line taking care of business. That's just, that was really, really disappointing after such a great performance against Penn state, seeing that offensive line as well as they did, you'd think, I I mean, I know that Rutgers probably knew we were going to run the ball and make us throw it, but I mean, they were losing a lot of one-on-one battles in that game. They really were. And I mean, you said it, we got dominated at the line of scrimmage and uh, Rutgers saw what we did to Penn state and, you know, they, they were able to stop it. They were a more physical team. And I mean, when you dominate that line of scrimmage, getting a run game going is very tough. And Chase Brown, you know, he made some yards, but overall just not a great run game. And uh, you know, there was a fourth and I think one that we went for and, uh, he ended up pitching it out to Chase Brown and he had a guy one-on-one and man, he wasn't even close to breaking that tackle. Like th- there was some solid defense by Rutgers. I will say that they dominated the line and they were making tackles in that run game. So we got some stuff going in the passing game, but wasn't quite enough. Um, I think, I mean, <laughs> we only scored in the second quarter. We didn't have any points otherwise. So that was a little frustrating and uh, didn't get a whole lot of movement up and down the field. But, uh, you know, it was a big punting game for both sides. And you you just would have liked to see this Illini team run the ball a bit better, especially with how we done the past few weeks. But, uh, you know, they made us rely on our past game. And Brandon Peters showed some positives, but wasn't enough overall to get the win. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say that Brandon Peters had a bad second half. We were, we were talking about it during the game, Andrew the first like four drives that they had coming out of the second half. And you only, it's not like I say first four, like you get like 20. No, you only get even in college. I know you get some more possessions in college, but even in college, you're really not getting too many drives once you add them all up. And the first four drives, the first like play or the first or second play, it was either uh block in the back, holding chop block, uh false start. And you were behind the sticks every single time. And you just couldn't convert because you were working first and uh, first and 20 first and 25 each time. And that's, you just can't do that. It was literally just throwing out four drives at the beginning of the uh, second half, especially getting the ball back too. I, that was so hard. That, that really just, I, I thought was the momentum changer right there was just that those penalties in the most inopportune times of the, the offense, where you really just could not get a, a rhythm going because you just kept getting those penalties in those three and outs. It wasn't even like three and outs, like they were stuffing you. You just had to go 25, 20 yards each time to get a first down. You just couldn't do it. Oh yeah, definitely. And I will say the officiating in that game was pretty bad on both sides of the ball. Uh, for both teams I mean there were some there were just some really bad calls of pass interference that wasn't you know holding that wasn't anything there were there were some bad calls there but uh you know at the end of the day you just you can't have those penalties happen and you got to adjust to how the how they're officiating the game and um, not only penalties but also we were getting pinned pretty deep in our own territory for most of our possessions you know Rutgers had a really good punter and we were just starting far back, not making much progress. And then they were slowly chipping away at that field position. And, uh, you know, it was enough for their offense to put some more points on the board. And, you know, we only gave up 20 points, which we'll get to the defense in a bit, I'm sure. Um, I think they definitely could have played better against Rutgers team. But, you know, 20 points, that's easy to beat, you know. Yeah. You just We needed another touchdown or something, but we just weren't able to get enough going. and. That's how you lose a game. Yeah, I would say on the surface, uh, the, the defense did its job. I would agree with you there. And then if you want to look into there, they had a there was one drive, uh, their last touchdown drive for Rutgers, where you had them like third and nineteen, and they some he completed just like a dying duck pass, uh, and then they got two fourth down conversions. I think Rutgers was like four for five on fourth downs, or like four for four on fourth downs. They covered uh, converted all of them. 
And I, at home, you just can't allow that to happen. It was because that, especially even if it was just a few yards, the Rutgers knew that you were dominating you in the trenches. They were just going to go for it. If it was close enough, they could do that. So I, I, you know, great game plan by Rutgers and being ready for that and just taking a chance on the road and not being conservative. So uh, hats off to them for doing that, but defense, they had some bend, but don't break, but largely they completed their mission. They kept Rutgers to 20 points. You should be able to score more than 20 points against Rutgers. And if it wasn't for that poorest second half with uh, the self-inflicted wounds, for the offense, I think one of those four drives that were, were were stuffed, I think you could have gotten a touchdown out of that. Oh, yeah, I would agree. And, uh, I mean, looking at the score, you say, oh, the defense played decent. But if you watch the game, we were getting dominated in the run game by Rutgers. And, yeah. you know, they were, they were just able to hold on to the ball. I mean, they were able to get more time in possession and just chip away at us with runs and, you know, we, we just couldn't stop them. And if that defense is a little better against the run game, you can get the ball back at the end of the game and score. And, you know, you have some more options. So pass game, I'm pretty happy with how the defense played. But I thought they could have been better against this Rutgers run game. And, you know, if they had, that could have opened up some other things. But, hey, um, good for Rutgers. You know, they, they played very physical. They dominated us on both sides of the ball. And they deserve that win, to be honest. Yeah, they did. They did. Honestly, it would be like, yeah, I because it was just like last week when Illinois played Penn State. If Penn State won that game, you could say that they had no business winning that game. They didn't deserve to win that game after being dominated like physically, like they were at home. And then uh, this, even if Illinois somehow pulled out a win this past weekend, I'd be, I'd be happy. I'd be, it'd be awesome. But I'd be like, I feel like we didn't deserve that win because we just got dominated physically in that game. And, um, you gave yourself a lot of chances to win that game and stay in it. So I'm glad, you know, we weren't blown out or anything. And you just, you looked like it just looked like they weren't there physically. I don't know if it was injury wise or Rutgers just schematically knew what you were going to do, but it just, we didn't deserve to win that game whatsoever. Uh, looking forward to this week, Andrew, Minnesota, they're a ranked team now. And I think they're kind of under the radar uh, as far as like big 10 West teams that we're talking about, but I think people are starting to recognize them because the wins are starting to stack. Now they, I mean, they're not playing the best talent to get those wins, but wins are still wins, especially in the power five conference football here. What should we expect out of this Minnesota team? And uh, it's a pretty big spread, but I mean, it seems like if Illinois can start to get all the pieces together, it seems like it, you know, we have a fighting chance and we've proved it against Penn state. Yeah. Well, you know, this, this Minnesota team is pretty good. Um, you know, you, you can argue with teams they've played, how good are they, but at the end of the day, you know, you look at the Minnesota team and they've played fairly well and uh, they're definitely going to be a challenge for the Illini. And I think for me, the key is, you know, we have to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, really. You know, the games that we're able to do that, we're able to get the wins. If we're dominating the line of scrimmage on offense, that opens up the run game. And with mm -hmm. that, if Brandon Peters plays like he did against Rutgers, you know, that's a good offense. If he plays like that and we get that run game going, we're set. And, you know, on defense, when they're dominating the line of scrimmage, getting the quarterback, getting hits, um, you know, they had a few hits against this Rutgers team, but they're going to need to dominate yeah. that line a little more and, put some pressure on the Minnesota team. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's going to be a big spread at the end of the day. Yeah. Cause that defensive line, you're right. We did not get any pressure on that quarterback. And usually our defensive line is really good at stopping the run too. And they did okay uh, throughout the game, but for at least for the pass, and there was really not too much pressure on that quarterback, uh, which is really disappointing. So I agree, man. I think it's going to come back down to the trenches and hopefully our passing game, comes with it so that'll open up more lanes for the running game and then hopefully our running game uh is you know backed up by good offensive line play again you know hopefully the offensive line can come back to play again and open up more passing lanes for Brandon Peters so he gets uh those better throws again so you really just need a whole team effort I, you just you just it, it really comes back to the line play I think and uh we, we've proved it we can do it I, we just need to do it again I agree and I mean if that line is playing well, even if Brandon Peters is struggling, you know, if the line plays well, you get the run game going, you let Chase Brown and Josh McCray just go crazy. And, 
you know, they can make things happen. And if the line's playing well, you don't need a passing game. You can manage the clock and you can get touchdowns and yards with that run game. So that's where it all starts the line scrimmage went for me. All right, man, let's uh, bring it over to the NFL and talk about our Chicago Bears. Uh, and, you know, hey, hey, really quick, before we do that, um, what did you think about the other Big Ten matchups? Like, what, Big Ten power rankings-wise, would you have Michigan State at the top, whereas Ohio State, I know they have that loss against a non-conference opponent, Ohio, uh, Oregon at home. Um, it looks like a good loss on paper since Oregon is having a good season as well, but um, Michigan State's the last undefeated team in the Big Ten. Are they real contenders, do you think? Uh, should Ohio State be worrying about them? Or is Ohio State, do they still have the inside track for this uh, Big Ten championship? Yeah, that's – and Ohio State, I think, they do have that loss, but they've looked like a really good team. Yeah. And I think – I do think that based on the past, the past few games, Michigan State deserves that higher ranking. But I think by the end of the season, you're going to see Ohio State playing at a higher level than Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that will be shown when it comes time for the Big Ten games and uh, you see how it all plays out. I think, I think Ohio State's the one you're going to see. Yeah, yeah. And since they're in the same division, they will play each other. I, I don't know if it's for another two weeks or something, but um, they will play each other uh, eventually. Um, and Michigan still has a chance too. They only have one loss. Um, if they take care of their own business, they still have a, a great chance. You know, they'll they'll still make their way to the Big Ten championship game, but they just got to win out to do it. Uh, let's bring it over to the Chicago Bears, who lost at home to the San Francisco 49ers. And it just it just seemed like the Bears were on a treadmill the entire time, and they just kept slowly getting farther back on the treadmill. And they showed some good things throughout that game. Justin Fields showed some great things throughout the game, but ultimately they fell short against a depleted 49ers team. And uh, that's what that I think that was a missed opportunity, Andrew, because the 49ers were just dealing with so many injuries and the quarterback position, a lot of turnover there too. Um, and they just still could not get the win. Yeah, it was a tough game to watch, and I'm I'm really upset with the way the defense played in that game. I think they could have played a lot better, especially against this 49ers offense that, as you said, they haven't been playing super well. You know, they were in a they're in a similar position now to what the Bears were in a couple of weeks ago, where everybody's like, "Oh, we don't want Jimmy Garoppolo playing. We want Trey Lance in there." And Jimmy Garoppolo made himself look great in this game yeah. against the Bears, which is upsetting because the Bears are, have prided them. We've prided ourselves on defense for a while, and th- that was just a poor performance by that defense. I did see some promising things from this offense, um, a couple of miscues as well and things to work on. But overall, I think the game plan for the offense was a bit better. Um, I, I liked that they were getting Justin Fields out of the pocket more, running play action, letting him move around. and. That was nice seeing, man. That uh, that fourth down touchdown run by Justin Fields. Ooh, baby! Oh, that had me. Ex- that had me worried, and then very excited once I saw him running oh, back the gosh. other way and nobody around. Because we've seen where he gets sacked um, when he's trying to go, when he's trying to scramble and stuff. Because he waits a little bit too long. He doesn't make the. He just doesn't make a decision to go and do it. Because in college, you have that kind of time where you can kind of like you have that extra second to decide what you want to do. And in the NFL, you don't have that time. And so we, we saw him make a decision and it worked out for the best. I mean, he had to break uh, a couple tackles to do it. Um, but that was, I mean, just watching it happen. You're just like, that is our freaking quarterback, man. Let's go. I mean, it just made you so happy for you. Just, I, you've never seen a bears quarterback make that throw or sorry, make that kind of play. Mitchell Trubisky had a similar play against the Patriots in like 2018, I think, but where he's breaking tackles like that. And you see that, uh, that certain athleticism that you just, it's really hard to replicate almost like that Lamar Jackson uh, athleticism. I mean, it was just a a beautiful sight to see him uh, use his legs like that. And then uh, that first touchdown throw, I think to uh, Jesse James, the tight end, you haven't also seen a bears quarterback make a throw like that in forever. I, I, at least I, from what I can remember, as long as we've been Bears fans, that was a, a sight to see, man, and how beautiful that was because he had to be on the money, throwing opposite shoulder across his body. It was awesome. On the run, too. That was great to see. 
That that was a spectacular throw. I mean, he showed some great moments there, both in the passing game with that throw and, you know, in the running game. And he had some other some other runs there as well. And, you know, he he shows his athleticism and he shows that he has a lot of potential. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously there's that pass to Mooney that I think for the second week in a row now goes off Mooney's hands and gets picked off, which is unfortunate. Um, Mooney's got to come down with those and um, that's a big momentum changer, but there were, there were a couple big momentum changers in this game. You have the Justin Fields, amazing touchdown run. And then you have the missed extra point. Um, you have the Debo Samuel oh screen gosh. that goes all the way down the field and he gets finally chased down by uh, Houston Carson. And man, it was there were some big momentum changes in that game and the bears just weren't able to come up from it, but I I'm just, I'm disappointed with the way that defense played, but I'm impressed with the offense. I think they showed some good signs that I was really hoping to see. Yeah. I think uh, the 49ers also kind of sold out on the run. They knew the bears are like starting to rely on that a little bit more. And Khalil Herbert, um, he had a lot of carries. I'm glad he's getting those carries. Um, you know, it's up to the offense to, you know, make sure if the, if the running game is not option, well, we got to open up some running lanes by getting some passes downfield. Uh, but it seems like Khalil Herbert has overpassed, has surpassed Damian Williams on the depth chart because he only got a couple of, I don't really think he got that many carries. I think he only had a few carries, uh, this past game and maybe, you know, the COVID is still having some, um, effect on him, but, um, we, I think we've seen Khalil Herbert take up the mantle of that backup running back and will be opposite David Montgomery going forward. But um, he, 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 you didn't really see too much out of him because there, there really wasn't many holes for him to work with. No, there wasn't. And the 49ers did a good job of, you know, focusing on that run game, which they knew we were good at. And I do think Damian Williams got injured in that game, but I personally think Khalil Herbert should be higher up on the depth chart. I mean, that kid has played lights out and, uh, David Montgomery actually just today, I believe, came off the IR and returned Great. to practice. So, man, having David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert as a one-two punch is that's going to be tough for teams to stop, even if they sell out on the run. So, I'm excited to see those two guys play at the same, <clears throat> excuse me at the same time. Yeah, I think I think that'll be pretty neat. Um, yeah, I mean, Justin Fields, 103 yards. He was um, your, foot. yeah, he was your rushing attack. And I'm like you said, Andrew, at the beginning of the show or beginning of the segment, just how he was, they were rolling him out a lot more, had some designed runs for him, using his speed and not putting him in dangerous situations either, you know, just using him in select spots, but also just, you know, letting him out on the run more, making him a threat, keeping that extra linebacker to be a spy linebacker for the opposing team, making sure he doesn't roll out of the pocket. Uh, I think that makes it a world of difference just soaking up that extra defender for him with the threat of the rushing attack, because then it opens up more passing lanes for him downfield because it leaves more one-on-one situations as well. Let's talk about, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you said it like when Justin Fields has the ball, you have to treat him as both a runner and a passer. So you have to commit somebody to watching Justin Fields as a runner. And by doing that, you're one less man on defense, which means, you're not having that safety help over the top mm-hmm. or, you know, you're, you're kind of modifying things to watch out for that quarterback, which really opens up the pass game. Cause that means you're pretty much having one-on-ones across the board. And if one guy makes a defender fall or miss, man, Justin Fields has an easy throw. So yeah. I really like them rolling him out and letting him use his legs and keep the other team on their toes. And, you know, I think that opens up the playbook a lot there. So. I'm excited to see what Justin Fields can really do. Right. All right. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, they didn't force a punt uh, at all. So, I mean, the, the 49ers, I mean, they kept them to a lot of field goals, which is good. But, in, I mean, you know, it was still a manageable game going forward, even though you never managed to force a punt. So the offense still had a chance to get back. But you still didn't force anything uh, for that, uh, that 49ers offense. And, I think the most egregious play was that third and 19 screen pass to Debo Samuel that not only converted the first down, but he pretty much went to the house at a two yard line. And there was a lot of big, big plays that got busted open and, you know, credit to 
credit to the Bears D line who never gave up on the play. Even, you know, that Debo, Debo and the other running back just seemed like they were just completely going to make, um, you know, make the Bears pay. But they they sprinted down the field to catch up and, uh, you know, made sure that they weren't going to score. So hats off, I guess, the defensive line. They should have had more pressure throughout the game. Um Dreaming Garoppolo is back there all day, but you know, I, I'm glad it just didn't seem like they were just giving up, but still that, that was a poorest day for the defense. It really was. And uh, I mean, you mentioned it. I think there were two plays that I remember where the running back was 10 plus yards down the field and Akeem Hicks came up to tackle him from the defensive line. It's like, well, that's good, but yeah, I wish you would have tackled him at the line of scrimmage. So you know, uh, defense honestly played pretty poorly in my eyes. Um, have not having Khalil Mack hurt them at the line of scrimmage. Eddie Jackson going down yeah. really hurt them in the coverage game. He's not a good tackler. He's but a very good pass coverage, though. He's ve- Yeah, he's very good in coverage. So not having him hurt there, but we were getting killed by screens. And yeah. that's just a lack of tackling, a lack of guys in their assignments, shooting the gaps we got to fix that. Like we you need to swarm the guy. There's no reason Debo Samuel gets 18 yards for the first down plus a whole bunch more. Like you just can't have that happen. It's third and 18, you know, they're going to screen it or do a run play or something and you can't let them bust it loose. I know. And dare I say that's actually, I would say who's actually been a strength. I would say for this bears defense uh, throughout the year, I would say that's actually on the linebacking core for allowing those big plays to bust open like that because that's usually those plays that's the plays that they're supposed to swallow up it's not like the bears got beat downfield uh that uh, like the secondary just got busted open the cornerbacks or safeties they bu- got busted play they got burned it was really a lot of the plays that got busted open were started around or within five yards of the line of scrimmage yeah i mean w- when you have run run plays that are that successful it's not in your secondary, your cornerbacks and your safeties. They're locking down the pass game. It's your linebackers Mm -hmm. and your D line that are focused on the run. And especially linebackers, when they pull the ball to the outside, your linebackers need to collapse on him. And um, they just, they just weren't having a good game. And that defense allowed 33 points against the 49ers. You should keep them under 20. No question. Like that, that defense needs to definitely step up and, you know, maybe not having Khalil Mack hurt them a bit, but um, you can't rely on just one person on your right. defense. You got to have the backups step up, and um, I I just think there were there were a lot of missed tackles and just I don't know if guy if the guys were just getting blocked very well or what was going on, but there's no reason for that play that we saw. Yeah, I, I definitely think this game would have been closer or different if Khalil Mack was playing. It's a good point, and, and you know what, like. You know, he hasn't been a world beater, but he's always been really available. Um, at, he's only missed, I think, a, a few games in his entire career as a Bears uniform. He's played through, he's played injured a lot. So, uh, really appreciate that as a Bears fan. I, I, but, like, this Bears team, this Bears defense should not look like that without Khalil Mag. You put it perfectly. Like, yeah, they probably missed him, but it should, they, they should not be 33 points against this San Francisco 49ers offense. Uh, Khalil, even if you add Khalil Mack to that situation, I don't know if that if that score really changes too much. Maybe a, one less field goal or something. Maybe a little less time in the pocket for Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, I don't know that like that the defense shouldn't look like that. No, and the screenplays are still going to happen. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. Um, I am glad that they're resting Khalil Mack. I think he needs to recover from these injuries and that'll be best for him long-term. It sucks not having him on the field, but you know, you want the guy to be healthy. So uh, definitely understand. And we'll see when he comes back, uh, whether it's before or after the bye week, but you know, hopefully he has a a good path to recovery and um, we we just got to stop the screens in the run. Like it's as simple as that. Um, that's where they beat us. They didn't beat us on deep throws. They didn't beat us on busted coverages. They beat us in physicality and dominating the line of scrimmage. And again, that's not something we're used to on the Bears team. So um, I don't know. Guys need to step up and uh, we got to stop those screens. Those are, 
those are easy yards they're getting and um you just got to swarm that guy yeah yeah uh let's talk about the the coaching staff so matt Nagy, he will be back this week he's returning from the COVID list he was vaccinated so his timeline was a lot shorter um for an infected person so he just needed a couple negative tests no symptoms he was good um so you know, puts you at a competitive advantage if your full if your team is fully vaccinated because you know if you do contract the coronavirus, you're able to bounce back a lot quicker off that list. So we saw him, we see him coming back, but we saw what the team looked like without him. Um, now he's not play calling, but he's still leading the team throughout the game. Chris Tabor, special teams coordinator, was the head acting head coach for that game. Um, did you see? I mean, we we pointed out that Justin Fields. Uh, was rolling out of the pocket a lot more. It had some more design runs than usual. I mean, they've been maybe inching towards that. Do you think that was because uh, Matt Nagy wasn't um, in the game, able to stop those types of plays from happening? Or do you think that was the game plan moving forward and they thought they were going to open it up more for Justin Fields that way? Yeah, honestly, I think it's just a coincidence that this ha- Matt Nagy was out You know, that same game because he's not calling plays he was still in the meetings coming up with a game plan. So it's like he was still the only thing that he was missing from was actually being on the field and, you know, managing the clock and stuff like that, which Chris Tabor did. And I don't think he did anything with that offense, really. I think, you know, Bill Lazor finally realized, oh, we need to do more of this stuff. And maybe Matt Nagy and him coordinated on that. But um, I think it's just a coincidence that Matt Nagy happened to be out when they started implementing some more of these. It's probably something that, they heard his criticism and decided to fix. Um, now, if Matt Nagy was calling the plays, then I would say, okay, that's that's why. But without him calling the plays, um, I don't think him not being there really impacted that play calling scheme too much. Yeah, and he's he, I mean, he does nothing to do with the defense, so that's that. I mean, that's not on him either. Um, so, I mean, he's still the head coach, so it should be you know, uh, you know, he should have some say in it when he is there, but. Um, you know, that, overall, I, I agree with you that I don't know how different that game goes, especially the game plan overall, if he's there, um, maybe over the course of the season, it, some things change it, but for one game, I think, you know, next man up mentality, they should be able to take care of business, especially at home, um, against the 49ers and Robbie gold wasn't even playing. He didn't even get to make his, uh, his valiant return. Do you remember? I think it was like the first year, um, when Ryan Pace cut him. Uh, which still is one of the more st- stupid moves that Ryan Pace has done uh, as, as a general manager. But he came to Chicago, and I think he was with he was with the 49ers, I think. But um, 49ers are kicked like I think they kicked like five field goals, and they beat the Bears only off of Robbie Gold's field goals. Uh, and I, I thought that was really just good justice for Robbie Gold. It was like yeah, 2017 I love or 16, I think, or something. I do remember the game you're talking about. I love the guy. I mean, he, he's a good guy. He's a good player. It sucks that we let him go. And um, it would have been nice to still have him here. But hey, Cairo Santos, he's been, he did miss one extra point. But before that, he had the longest yeah. active streak of yes. made field goals and extra points. And he's been playing really well for the Bears team. So I, I wanted to give him a mention. And uh, mm-hmm, one other guy that we skipped earlier that I wanted to mention is Larry Borum. Came back from IR. I thought he played really well on that offensive line. And that was an offensive line that really struggled, especially last week with Simmons and then they put bars in and, you know, having Larry Borum come back, I thought he played well and I'm impressed with where he's at. And uh, I mean, I think it'll just get better from here. No, you were high on him from the the start of the season too. And does, you know, and it's, he's, he's, I mean, he's had some, you know, some mistakes here and there, but I think overall development wise, he's really improved throughout the season. You've seen that incremental progress from him and it, it, it's made the offensive line that we were, we were, we were really worried about at the beginning of the year, a uh, little bit less worried about them just because he's been stepping up to the plate so well. Um, so, I mean, the offensive line still hasn't been playing great, but he's been a, a reason why they just haven't been like last in the league. Oh yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's a boost to our offensive line. Maybe we'll get Tevin Jenkins back at some point, who knows, or maybe they'll shuffle the interior line. Um, I don't really know, but how surprised are you that the bears made 
zero trades before the trade deadline. Yeah, I honestly, so NFL is a little bit different because um, I think if you compare it to the Major League Baseball, it's like Major League Baseball, every team is making moves. It, it's it's ridiculous. Either you're contender um, and you're buying, you're buying, 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 you're sending draft picks for other players. If you're selling, you're, you're, you're sending the whole team over. Um, we saw how it changed the Atlanta Braves at uh, the trade deadline. They went from a sub 500 team to a world series champion, despite losing Ronald Lacuna Jr. And all of those injuries in the playoffs. And they were, you know, that trade deadline benefited them. Um, NFL, you know, NBA and NHL, then they're kind of like in the middle tier of how many changes happen. But then NFL, you really never see too many blockbuster trades at the trade deadline. We saw what Von Miller go from the Broncos, to the Rams. Um, but that was like the biggest one. I can't think of any other trades that happened that would really move the radar in, in the NFL. Um, so using that as context, I'm not too surprised, um, but I am. And also when you consider the bears salary cap situation too, that um, especially in the NFL, just the way the salary cap is set up, how difficult it is to add players um, with the, the cap that they hold and other teams willingness to take that dead cap space for themselves so with Allen robinson i know he's on a tag year and he's on the last year of his contract but that's still a lot of money to add to your books and what contending team is going to be able to take on that salary like that um for him and especially for a rental um you know if you're trying to get rid of akeem hicks or something or you know david montgomery or even khalil mack it's you know do you really want to take on those big contracts like that or just you know all all that uh you know especially send over that much draft capital in return i think you just don't really get too much draft capital in return for those types of contracts um so i'm not too surprised by that and i you just don't know if this is ryan pace's last year or not andrew because if if he is because no moves were made so if like all right if they're buying 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 he's like all right i'm trying to save my job and we have to make the playoffs this year or bust. If they're selling, then he's like, I know I'm going to be here. I've been assured by ownership that I'm going to be here for the next two or three years. I don't have to worry. Let's try to rebuild this thing. Um, so I, I think it's just the indifference by the management just kind of shows that maybe ownership doesn't know what they want to do with this uh, general manager yet. Yeah, and I think you you hit it on the head and, you know, salary cap is the biggest thing this year salary caps were low because of COVID. And I think it had the seller caps been a bit higher. You would have seen at least one or two trades from the bears. Um, the main one I was looking at was Alan Robinson because he is on this tag. I don't think he'll be back with the bears next year, to be honest. So maybe they try to move him, but you know, um, with salary cap that that's going to be tough to make that deal work. And, uh, you know, I think maybe in the off season, they might do some trades for guys like Akeem Hicks, maybe even Kalu Mack, try to trade away some of the uh, players that are a little older now. But um, I don't know they're going to get a whole lot back for those guys. You know, yeah. they're, they're starting to get older as well, and uh, they have decent contracts. So it might be hard to move them, and we'll see how that plays. But I thought maybe they, they would move Allen Robinson. But in general, like you said, not many trades happened. That's the NFL, but also I think because of the salary cap issue. And, you know, there were some other decent names that were on the market that ended up not getting moved. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson was talked about. He didn't move. Right. Odell Beckham Jr.'s had some issues with the Browns. He wasn't moved either. So not a whole lot of blockbuster trades this year. And I think it's just because of the surplus of talent. Nobody wants to waste draft picks on a contract that's maybe not very team friendly with it. When they know they can just go to the draft um, that next year. And if they find the right talent, there's so much talent coming out of college that it's really easy to fill those holes um, that, that they lack on their team. Um, yeah. It's just, man, the bears are in a tough situation because they're so up against the cap with older players, but to offset that, this upcoming draft, they, they just don't have the draft capital to really fix that situation. It's almost like they just got to wait, like, a couple of years to replenish all those draft picks that they traded away for these players that it ultimately hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Uh, it's just, it just puts them in a really tough spot because 
you can't to try to improve this team. You just got to hope that the team develops as a whole because you know you can't subsidize it with draft people from the draft because you don't really have high draft picks and you don't have any money to spend on any free agents to come in and help you. So you're just relying on uh, better coaching and uh, development of it. Um, and we'll talk about it in the offseason, Andrew, too, about where the Bears will do at each position and everything. But, um, you know, it, it just kind of puts, especially in the midseason like this, because the Bears, I mean, they're not out of a playoff spot. They could very well still push for it. But it's also like, I mean, if you're going to add a player, what does it really do for this Bears team? Does it really make them from a playoff contender to a Super Bowl contender? I think you would need a lot more players to make them into a Super Bowl contender and maybe even a coaching change. So I don't even know if it would be worth it to really sell out this trade deadline. Or sorry, buy, yeah. buy, buy. Like like you were saying, I think we, they were more looking to trade away players. Um, they just couldn't find anybody. No, no, and I agree with that. I think they should sell you know a player or two for some draft picks, even if they're late round picks, because as we've talked about, you know, Ryan Pace, he's been pretty good at, finding hidden talent and getting guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds. Um, you know, Larry Borum was a late round pick. David Montgomery wasn't even first round, you know, he was they traded up to get him though. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's true. Um Khalil Herbert was like a fifth round pick, yeah. you know, Darnell Great Mooney, pick. like a lot of these guys that are talented are coming in the later rounds. So even if you get some of those picks, these scouts are obviously doing their job in the late rounds. So I would I would take some picks. Uh, you know, if you trade a guy like Keem Hicks away from maybe like a third and a fifth or something, I would take that because you know you can add two players, both of which can be pretty talented. See how they play. So, um, you know, I think they'll end up selling a little bit in the off season, but I'm sure we'll discuss that a lot more as we get to that point. Before we talk about who they're playing this week, would you trade David Montgomery for a second round pick? No, not just for a second. Okay. I mean, because we've seen running backs are kind of a dime a dozen now. I mean, Derrick Henry, I know he had this injury, but he is like the one person I would spend an number one overall pick on. All the other running backs in the league, Saquon Barkley, injury history, Ezekiel Elliott, not great anymore, at least not a lead anymore. Um, David Montgomery, yeah, he's really good, but I don't know if I would spend a first round pick on him. I mean, we saw what Khalil Herbert can do, and he got drafted in the later rounds. Um, and Bears have always yeah. had a really good uh, history of drafting running backs for whatever reason. For some reason, they just are able to nail that on the head every single time. Yeah, but for just a second, I wouldn't. And the reason, two reasons for that. One is, you know, David Montgomery's played really well. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think you could get more than just a second, maybe get like a second and a fifth or something along those lines. I'm not sure what teams would be willing to offer, but just a second, I wouldn't be happy about it. And another thing is you look at like the saints or, you know, teams that have a one, two punch with running backs, they can be explosive. If you have this team with Khalil Herbert and yeah, David Montgomery, true. even if one of them gets injured, you still have a star running back. So I think you keep him unless you can get at least two decent picks. And then maybe you go get another running back in the draft and use the other pick on something else. But, for just a single second round pick, I probably wouldn't let him go because no, he's been a dynamic player. No, that's a really good point. I, I think it's it's proven that when you can have two really good running backs, um, that it really just changes the dynamic of the of the offense because obviously the running back can't be out there every single play. Uh, they just they just get gassed and they just get beat up. Even if they're not getting handed the rock every single time, it's just it just takes a toll on the body. Um, so it's nice to have that one-two punch that you're talking about. So that that is really valuable, and I think an undervalued thing, at least for fans. I think teams are starting to now appreciate that a lot more, even though it's starting to become a passing uh, league. They still, a lot of teams still see the value of two really good running backs um, in that backfield. We saw what Tampa Bay did with it last year. They really relied on that run uh, to kind of like an adjunct uh, offense for that passing game. They have a lot of weapons on offense uh, in the receiving game, but it really was surrounded by that good running game from this uh, running back group. Uh, all right, man, let's talk about the Steelers Monday night football. We're going to be back on national television. Let's hope it's not like week one. We were on national television again. Uh, let's hope that we don't get embarrassed again. 
Monday night football, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. We travel to Pittsburgh. What should we expect out of this Mike Tomlin, who's kind of righted the ship? The Steelers seemed like they were starting to maybe go into a nosedive, but just like Mike Tomlin does and the great coach that he is, he was able to pull that on uh, that um, that nose up in the airplane and, and bring them back up. And it looks like they're okay. At least they're treading water right now. What should we expect? Yeah, I mean, the night football game. The, the saints have a physical and solid defense. So, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have a challenge for this offense and, you know, the defensive line, especially, and, you know, Justin Fields is going to be put to the test. Hopefully he can bust some stuff open. Um, you know, then on the Bears defensive side of the ball, you know, big Ben, uh, he, he can be hit or miss, but, uh, you know, in, in general, he can, he can have some pretty good games. So you're going to have to lock it down. Obviously you're going to have to dominate that line of scrimmage like the bears have been doing. And right. I think if you dominate the line of the scrimmage on defense and on offense, you're able to manage the game and put some points up and, you know, get Justin Fields going. I think there's a decent chance the bears could win this. Yeah, and uh, how cool is it that we'll be able to see Kendrick Green, um, former Illini, all big, all yeah, all big uh, offensive lineman, Big Ten offensive lineman. Um, he's the center for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you know, taking snaps for uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Famer. That's really cool. I'm I'm excited to see him uh, in action out of Illini uniform. Um, and against uh, his hometown Chicago Bears because he grew up in uh, Peoria. So really looking forward to that matchup too. And seeing how I want to see how he does against the Bears uh defensive line, uh Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks, because those um, you know, I, I know he's been battle tested now and he's not scared of anybody, but Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman are really they're I, they're really good defensive linemen. Uh so will, I also really looking forward to at the end of the year to see what we do with those two defensive linemen. Cause I think you and me are both high on this defensive line that we have at the Bears, maybe maybe too much so, but I really like them, but I'm really looking forward to see what Kendrick green can do against these guys. Oh yeah. Me too. It'll be a fun match to watch. And uh, you know, you want to root for Kendrick green, but at the same time you want to keep Hicks and yes. Eddie Goldman to go set big Ben. So yeah. we'll see how that plays out. Um, so Ben Roethlisberger though, do you, th- I mean, he, he looks like he, obviously he doesn't look like old Ben Roethlisberger, but it seems like he's, right of the ship a little bit like he doesn't seem like he's just dropped off a cliff like he was in the first few games um do you think that's going to stay throughout the season or do you think like it's starting to turn for him and and like it's going to go downhill pretty soon We're, we saw some flashes and i think it's just going to be more and more throughout the season yeah i think it's going to be a little bit of you know flashes we'll have some good games and some bad games i don't think we're going to see the old Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think, I think he's past that time. And I think, uh, as you said, you know, he'll have some good games and also some pretty bad games. So, uh, we'll see what, you know, Mike Tomlin can do with that team, but, um, I don't anticipate Ben Roethlisberger to be an elite quarterback for this entire season. I think at some point you'll kind of see a turn. Yeah. And I think the reason, I mean, obviously he, you know, he'll be playing as long as he wants to, but um, we saw Mason Rudolph out of Oklahoma state that he, he just really hasn't been what they thought he was going to be. He was supposed to be the replacement for Ben Roethlisberger when he was drafted a few years ago, sit on the bench, learn for a little bit. Um, he just hasn't done that. And I think Steelers fans, you know, maybe not happy with big Ben, but they know that anybody on the bench right now is nowhere near going to be enough to win the Steelers games because I mean, the Steelers do have some good talent on that team. Still they draft well and they're, they're well coached. So they're always going to be, I mean, obviously they're never going to have a losing season. Well, Mike Tomlin is coaching. So they're just a one quarterback away from being a really good team. So, uh, I mean, do you think Ben Roethlisberger just stays on just because the Steelers don't have anything else? And as long as they're going to keep playing him there, he might as well just stay. I think so, but I think in the next maybe two years, you'll see the Steelers start picking up the quarterbacks and seeing what they can develop. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, let's do score predictions. Uh, Monday night on the road, I know the Steelers, they're starting to have turn their season around. The Bears are headed in the wrong direction, looking at like three losses in a row now. Um, and Steelers are like, I think they're almost seven-point favorites. Yeah, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. 
I obviously, I, I think I'm, I got to take the Steelers here. I'm not, you know, can't be a homer on this one. As much as I want the bears to win, I just don't see the bears pulling out a win here. Just the way they've played these past few weeks. They just haven't shown me anything to prove that they can go win on the road in the spotlight like this. And, um, but I, you know, Justin Fields, first time in national television, uh, as the starting quarterback, it'll be interesting to see how he does under the lights. Uh, but ultimately I think the Steelers win this game, Andrew. Yeah, I think so as well. I'm probably predicting a score. Uh, we'll go 24 18. 24 18. Okay, so seeing our defense keeps us in the game. That's a good score for the Bears because I feel like we can. It's so tough for us to get above that 20 point threshold. It just seems like we're pulling teeth to try to do that the bears offense will look elite at some point. They'll look like a really good NFL offense at some points, but once they get close to that 20 point mark, it's just like they, they press on the brakes and say, all right, no, no more. <laughs> That's not us. We can't score more than 20 points. It's almost like they're allergic to doing it. Uh, I, I like that. score. I'm going to go um, 27, 17 Steelers uh, for my prediction. Uh yeah, a tough loss, but man, this is really a gauntlet of a schedule. I mean, you go from the Packers, Buccaneers, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens, in that six games or five game stretch there. That's a really tough stretch. And so far, they're not they're not passing this test right now. Um, I think I'm happy if we can steal one against the Steelers or the Ravens. Yeah, I would agree. Um, we'll see what they can do. I'm ho- I'm always hopeful for Bears win, but yeah. we'll see how they play. And in this league with so much parity, you never know what can happen. They, they have the decent shot at anyone to get this done. All right, man. Uh, I forgot. We didn't even cover our drinks at the beginning. We just kind of jumped right into the, the rough shed of the show here. But I had a, a, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Wernig Schroener German Pills beer. Pretty good. Pretty good. I'll drink it again. It was my celebratory drink because I finished finals this week, my unit. So um, happy, happy. Should be a happy episode, but uh, we have to talk about the Illini bear. So it wasn't. What'd you have in front of you today? I just got me some good old water in front. There you go, man. Stay hydrated. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. It was a lot, uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you. Not a ton of fun talking about the Bears and Illini. Hopefully this next weekend, this weekend, um, you know, I, I'll be able to devote all of my time instead of studying for watching the line and bears will be able to sit down and digest all of it. And I hopefully will get a win out of it. Um, I, I I'm hoping I would bet at least one of our teams win. I, I think, I think we can pull out an upset here, man. Hopeful. hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Hopeful, not realistic about it. All right, man. It was a lot of fun. Can't wait to talk to you next week, everyone. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to y'all soon.